Hello and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Miguel. This is part of my 29 Days of Magic series, where I interview an awesome black woman a day for 29 straight days. And today, I'm so excited to have Camille Williams, who is a principal in the Business Transformation and Strategy Department at the Hackett Group. She has an amazing story, and I cannot wait for you all to hear. Hey, Jamila. Hi. How's it going, Laura? Just doing stuff. Making magic happen. Huge, huge. But so glad to have you on the podcast. And as I mentioned, the first question is always the same. Answer is always so, so unique. And so I'm sure you're going to be no different. So, Jamila, what was your first job? My first job was in high school. I was a receptionist at a car dealership called Fremont Pontiac Oldsmobile GMC Truck. And I had to say that when I answered the phone, the full name. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. That's awesome. And how long did you have to do that job? And did you make any good money being a high school student doing this? Well, I did that while I was in high school, my junior and senior year. And then uh, I think when I came back from college, you know, during the summertime, I think my first job and that paycheck, um, and I took a picture of it, of course, was $4.24. That was the minimum wage. And I was so proud to get it. And I, I do remember, you know, working there for a year and getting up the courage to ask for a raise. And I think I got a raise to $4.78. And I know, so this is really dating myself, but I was very happy to get that money uh, and uh, learn how to budget with that little bit that I had. And I was happy with it. So I wasn't super rich from the job, but it was a great experience. And I met, all, I'm sure you can imagine, at working at a car dealership. I met a lot of characters in that role. I have lots of stories, and that's for another podcast. I was going to say, oh, that's my <laughs> next question. I was like, okay, what's the weirdest person you met at a car dealership? I can't imagine everyone was normal. I, I will say that the service department was very interesting. I, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he did not have thumbs, but he was a great mechanic. Wait, wait, he was, I um, I <laughs> he did not have thumbs? No thumbs, great mechanic though, and a really nice guy. Uh, but he and he was great. Everyone loved him, but he he had no thumbs. Uh, I once went out with a with a one handed Italian, so okay. I learned a lot. I was like, oh, all right, cool. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I have story. I have questions there too. But again, <laughs> that's another over time. cocktail. Over cocktail. Totally over right. cocktail. <laughs> okay, so we go from hanging out with the um, cast of characters at the car dealership to where you are now. That has got to be an incredible career journey. So how did that happen? Sure, absolutely. So that I'm from California originally, and after high school, I wanted to go to a historical black college and university uh, just to get that experience. And so I left home and went clear across the country to Hampton University. And had a wonderful experience there. And while I was there, I did a lot with the marketing and, and strategy planning, working with small businesses, which has always been a love of mine, but did not over time that kind of blossomed. But um, after college, 
I decided to move to New York. I don't know if I decided it was the job opportunity, but <laughs> but <laughs> but I moved to New York after college and um, spent some time within financial services, working in, as a, an analyst and operations. So not quite the you know small businesses that I started to develop a passion for just in my my college time of doing some volunteer work with small businesses in the uh, Tidewater area. But it was a good opportunity to be at a large organization, learn about corporate politics and how do you navigate, how do you thrive, how do you be, a, you know, one of only four black uh, folks, uh, analysts in our class. And I think it was a total of a thousand. This was at Goldman Sachs in um, the year 2000. And so um, just kind of how do you navigate, you know, politics and and still be able to uh be a leader in in that type of environment. At some point, I was working very, a lot within you know financial services. Didn't quite love it, and really wanted to get back to an interest of mine, which is again small businesses, process design, and thinking about strategy development. Spent some time. You know, I'm always volunteering and working with entrepreneurs and helping them with business plans. And I just was like, hey, I should get hate more to do this or exactly. I, <laughs> I like oh it. Thing. How can I make a job? How can I make a business out of it? And I recognize that having credentials, especially being, you know, being young is helpful. And so business school was an avenue that allowed me to credentialize myself as well as do what we call kind of career switching. Cause I, you know, my day job was working as an operation analyst at, you know, a big investment bank. But what I like to do, I wanted to be able to um, have people pay me for it. And so the MBA helped me with that. And I would say that my first job out of business school, I stayed in, continued to stay in New York, was with a smaller consulting firm by choice because it felt very entrepreneurial. It offered me opportunity to work with small businesses, big businesses, work on really interesting strategy projects. I worked, you know, before it was... Um, what people do today, I spend a lot of time on how do we quantify music that's being streamed? How do we decide uh, as a music, a record label, how do we figure out what's the right revenue model to um, to have and what sort of contract needs to be in place? And so that job really was was great because it just gave me so many different exposure, so much exposure to different types of industries and business problems, which I loved. At some point, though, I got pulled into financial services. The crisis within, I think about 2008, was emerging, and there was a, a need to have someone that had a sense or experience within financial services. My ability to do process design and think through strange situations and understanding kind of how laws are changing, you know, that was a, a skill set that was beneficial. And so I got kind of pulled into an area of governance and compliance and, and it was, I was good at it, but didn't quite love it. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things. And, you know, I can talk about kind of lessons learned that I, 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 I took those opportunities because it was there and I was good at it, but didn't quite love it. But I stayed in that type of role for a little longer than I probably should have until I really challenged myself to do something different get back to something that I enjoy doing. And so I started a business, 
an actual business, a cooking business on my own called Sweet Savory. And I think I'm going to resurrect it. I decided that, hey, one of the things that I love to do is cook and tell stories and learn about cultures. And and I also love having a, a business because I like helping other people with businesses. So I was like, let me try to start my own. So while I was kind of doing this governance and risk stuff that wasn't so fun, I launched this, you know, very, you know, a business that I really enjoyed. And I needed to come to a decision of do I do it full time? Do I quit my job? And I wasn't quite ready to pull that trigger. Instead, I was aligned or got connected to another company, the Hackett Group, which presented me with an opportunity to do something new, get out of finance because it was very boring and get back to, you know, the strategy work that I loved when I first kind of started consulting after business school. And so fast forward to eight years later, I'm now the head of our New York office. I start came in as a manager, a principal. So that just there's kind of within the consulting world, that just means that now, instead of, well, I do delivery work, but I'm now doing more sales work. So that's um, a, a muscle that I'm learning to flex in terms of how do you del- how do you kind of take your expertise and uh, be able to communicate your value to potential clients and, and so that they would want to work with you on different projects. And the area that I focus on is procurement. Procurement is just how do you buy things? And so every organization, every single organization buys pencils at the, you know, or they may buy, you know, big operating units for whatever they sell. And so I help organizations think about who are the people that, you know, should be doing this? What's the right process design? Maybe what sort of technology should be leveraged to make it a more efficient and effective um, organization? And so I, I do a lot of that. I've, I've got some interesting projects going on right now. I, I travel a lot. And what kind of keeps me here doing this work is that I get a chance to work with different business problems. I also get a chance to um, to mentor people and giving them advice about kind of, you know, my experiences along the way. I've been in this you know, work world for a long time. I've been a consultant for a long time as well. And um, it also has, you know, just over this, you know, course of, you know, kind of gaining this expertise allowed me to be more confident about, um, you know, what I bring to the table. And so as I look to actually kind of relaunch my small business, I'm very confident that it will be even more successful than it was before. That's awesome. I love this. And I also love seeing Black women in consulting. (laughs) (laughs) Who are the shot callers? <laughs> um, you're the second black woman I've met in the last four days who was who at one of the big firms doing this. So I'm like, it's something in the air. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. That's great. Uh, it's, it's a process to get to get a seat. You know, I'll, I'll just a bit of a tangent. When you become a leader, you sometimes you forget, or at least as a, you know, sometimes like it, it, take, it took me a while to remember. I have a seat at the table. I I need to speak up. So I became a, a leader and sometimes you're still kind of sitting there kind of waiting to be called on. And as soon as I kind of realized, oh, I have a voice, I can say who we hire. I can say what the strategy, oh, I'm, I'm also the head of our uh, recruiting for New York, but I can, I have a way, I have a voice and I have power. And so being able to be comfortable in that skin to be able to flex that muscle, it takes time to get there. But definitely when you're there, you can certainly help to open doors for people that you may not have had originally. And I'm very grateful to folks that came before me and I'm happy to bring people along with me. 
awesome. I love this. And so, you know, I sometimes think that people assume that consulting is a big, scary black hole. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we hear about consultants, they travel a lot, mm-hmm. they make good money, but like it's very nebulous about what they do. Yeah. So, you, <laughs> in, in under 40 minutes. Kind <laughs> of explain what it what it takes or entails to get into consulting. You know, obviously, sometimes folks are like, "Hey, can I transition from one job to like in the world of consulting? Is it impossible?" Like, what are you guys looking for? Because since you are in the recruiting world and you know, always looking to get people hired, what where do you think what what's some kind of top tips you can give some folks who might be interested to learn more about your area? Yeah, I, I was I will say that I, the the buzzword word consulting has been around for for years, um, and there's a lot of um, bad jokes, similar to lawyer jokes, that you know you ask a consultant what time it is, and they you get paid they get paid you to tell you what time it is, and you know look at your watch and all that, and and that's there's you know there's some truth to that from like the old days, but but really if I had to break down you know what is consulting and what is that what is that world and how do you how do you thrive in it. Consultants tend to have a level of, of expertise or ability to think about business problems. I'm going to say put it in the world of business, but you can be a consultant for really anything. But you're able to um, provide an approach to think about a business problem and take really a data-driven uh, kind of steps to break down how would you address the problem, the steps that you would take to kind of analyze and pinpoint opportunities, and then you make recommendations on how you how you do it. Some organizations in terms of consulting say, hey, once you once I've once I've told you what you should do, let me actually help you do it. And so that's kind of an implementation consultant. Where I tend to work is more on what let me help you understand what the business problem is and how and what the opportunity to resolve it. I'll just give a few examples. So some organizations, they've grown by acquisition and they're just, you know, let's just think about that the fact that they can't, you know, there's a a lot of people doing the same thing, but they just know that they keep growing by acquisitions and they expect to keep growing, but they can't just keep the same group of people. Now that they they have 10 companies, they can't have 10 people doing the same thing because that just, you know, business-wise doesn't seem to make sense. So you can grow and just add more people or you can rethink the way that you're organized. And so someone would come to might come to me and say, you know, Jamila, we're spending a lot of money on people. I don't think that our our operating costs should go up in the same speed as our revenue because that that doesn't make sense. What should could we do? How can we do it? And when can we do it? And so I would take a look at, you know, who's doing what, make some recommendations about what should the, you know, the you know, who should be doing it, maybe not the actual individual, but just kind of how many people should be doing it, where they should be doing it. Maybe there's a new technology or a new way they should be doing it. And then from there, those recommendations could be implemented. So that's just an example. I will say that within consulting, for the most part within business consulting and probably others, you have to understand how to listen to what people are saying. So just because someone's giving you a problem they may be talking about something else. And so being able to be an active listener, being able to ask critical questions and to truly get to the heart of what's the problem we're trying to solve for is very key. The other thing is, it's I'm sure you have even friends that just kind of come up with, hey, you should do this. And it's not based out of anything. 
So being able to be comfortable with data analysis, some sort of reference and research because, you know, to, in, or, in order to be credible, to give recommendations is going to be important. So someone gets getting started out in consulting, you're not an expert yet. But if you have a lot of comfort in data, which is often what's used to help prove our hypothesis or what we kind of think the answer is, is going to be key. I would say that anyone that's not comfortable with data probably should try to get comfortable with data if they're going to be um, in this consulting world, at least within kind of the type of work that I do. And then in terms of what are people looking for, I think that was one of the questions you were asking. Data active listener. I don't think you need to be in a, a specific degree in terms of like if you went to college, you have to be a business major or an engineer. But being able to communicate in a structured manner how you're thinking is important to thrive within this area. And I think you also need to like people because this is a people business. <laughs> I love that you said that. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's a, it's a people business. And so if you're, so there's some folks that are very comfortable with data and they're like, leave me alone with the spreadsheet. I don't want to talk to anybody. And that there's a place for them in, you know, the consulting world. Yes. Maybe not as you get to kind of what I'm responsible for now is uh, more sales work. You need to know what you're talking about. Yes. I will say that I'm not like the expert in everything, but I do, you know, I'm resourceful and I know kind of who to pull in. But um, but you got to like talking to people and hearing what they have to say. You can't be quick to be like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Now, I do run into people that I'm, I think that, but I, I don't, I, I think I hide it pretty well, but so, but it, sometimes it comes out. But, um, but you got to like talking to people and you want to know, understand kind of their stories and how, and really be interested in their success and how you can help them to get there. Yeah, yes. And <clears throat> And thank you for sharing that because I think sometimes there's these careers where they, you know, they can be, you know, wonderful opportunities, but what those doors look like to get them open for folks like, huh, how do I even start? So thank you. (laughs) And I guess if anyone's listening to this podcast, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to talk to folks about consulting and, you know, is this the right career? I mean, I'm sure you can always LinkedIn with me just to ask questions. I, I think that asking questions is, is important, um, you know, and I'm happy to kind of allow for someone to connect with me and we can spitball ideas in terms of how do you get there and is this right? I love that. And thank you for sharing that. Because again, I know I said, like, I know lots of folks in consulting. I don't know a ton of folks of color in consulting. And in the last four days, I've met now two very senior <laughs> women. And I was like, it must be in the air. <laughs> so... But thinking about all that and like, yeah, being a black woman consultant, I'm guessing that the road was not easy for you. So, <laughs> I, so talking about time you had challenge, you thought there's no way you're getting through it, and then you did. Uh, sorry, can you repeat that question? Oh, mm-hmm. talk to me about a time when you had a challenge, work-wise mm-hmm. or, or, or personally, where you're like, there's no way I'm going to figure this out, get through it, and then you did. Oh. My okay, okay. Um, <laughs> like today, <laughs> it just happened. That's all happened today. I made it through. <laughs> um, let's see. I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about my first consulting project at this um company uh, at at the Hackett Group. Um, it, I was working for. So keep in mind, I came from 
financial services. I did. I was doing a lot of that. And when I came to Hackett, there was a lot of supply chain and operations work. Now, I did work in operations and finance, but that this is not the same thing. This is about how do widgets get made. And so the first project that I had was um, for a plastic manufacturer. And they wanted to, this was the business problem. How do we improve our supply chain to get better lead times? And that sounds like great words. I know what every single one of those words mean. But honestly, to take a step back, I didn't know like how plastic was made. I just know, I just know I, I use plastic. Um, supply chain and lead times are buzzwords. I mean, I went to business school. I know what those words are, but it's like having to actually do some sort of, you know, project around it where people are looking at me like I'm the expert. Um, that was a very, very daunting. But here, here we go. Nonetheless, I was slotted in to uh, lead some work streams and then subsequently lead, <laughs> lead like a detailed design of how to do some of the recommendations all by myself. And I was very, um, you know, I was, I was, I don't think I had time to be nervous, but in retrospect, I was like, I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. Um, and so did this kind of the, this first part of the project. Um, I did have a team with me to be able to learn from a learn on the spot, a consulting trick just for folks is, um, when I, if you don't, if you're as a consultant, you don't understand what's happening. You say to the client, so why don't you talk me through your day? Tell me, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> and they, you get I them talking. Around. <laughs> you get them talking and you're learning and you're like, this is before COVID, before you're not like, you know, doing everything virtual. Now you can Google search while someone's talking, but you know, you run back after the meeting and you're like, okay, what does that mean? Um, that you're, you know, practicing, you're nodding and looking confident, but, um, I so the the first part of the project I was able to um, kind of fake it because I had other people kind of around me and it was a team sport. But once we gave recommendations, the client said, "Hey, we want you to help us implement." And I was talking about that earlier, where we sometimes you say, "Hey, this is what you should do," and then they then but then there's other times that they say, "Can you help us do it?" And so they wanted just me to stick around to help them do it. And this required an extra level of knowledge and expertise because, you know, people can walk up to me at any point in the break room, in the cafeteria. I would have people say, hey, you know, what about X, Y, Z? And so I needed to know what I was talking about. <laughs> so the interesting thing was that I, I um, again, just felt very, I don't think I had time to be um, too nervous, but I, I know that I didn't know what I, I, I didn't know much about it, but I was just kind of learning it as I go. And I remember connecting with one of the directors who was uh, one of those guys that loves analysis and he, uh, he knows like everything. And so I told him, Hey, I've got this project and they're asking me these questions. And so he, every Friday, I remember we would meet um, in an office, we'd get on the whiteboard and he would go through basic supply chain and operations concepts. And I was always, the funny thing was always a week ahead of the client, literally just a week. Cause like, you know, those things you can't like learn in, you know, a day. And so if we were doing some sort of analysis or talking to concepts and uh, I found myself just being able to answer questions, um, you know, cause I just learned about it. On, I would go there on Mondays and but, um, but on Friday, I just like learned about the concept and I, they were so impressed and, 
they I, they never knew that I just learned it. So I was, I was, you know, just faking it till I made it. And so I think that that's just the, um, I think that's the story of, I guess, being a professional is that fake it till you make it, find some resources, find mentors, find people that are, are going to support you and be invested in your success um, and keep moving one step forward. There's no time to sit down and, you know, wallow in the confusion of not knowing something. You got to get up and figure it out. I love the fake it till you make it and also figure it out. <laughs> um, are the key elements to any good plan um, and anything that you do? It's just like, you know, you know, I think probably one of the biggest lessons that has been through pretty much every episode of this year's batch, 29 Days of Magic interviewees, has been, I'll figure it out. <laughs> like, exactly. somehow, <laughs> that sounds familiar. That should be the t-shirt. And I think that, you know, if I could think about just being a woman and being black in this industry, it's a little more challenging because you don't have that immediate circle, or at least it's easy to kind of stay in your circle, your comfort zone, and be, and no one's necessarily reaching out to you proactively, which is what I observed in, you know, with my other, you know, male colleagues or, you know, non-black colleagues that they had a network already figuring out and, you know, being able to say, hey, can you help me with something is was very easy because they're doing it at the at the golf place. They're, you know, soaking cigars and it's very easily to get that mentorship. Um, and I have found that over the you know years that I've been working is that I mean, I've, I definitely have to be proactive. No one really reaches out. Some people do. But for the most part, it's me reaching out, me trying to find the right advocates when people kind of even show a sign of, you know, being an advocate, jumping on that. I, I can't tell you the number of times that I tell people, give me a call and they don't call me. And that's been a lesson learned. I just, if someone even suggests, even if it's in passing, oh, give me a call. I can help you with that. I do it um, because no one's going to call you. No one's going <laughs> to, no one's going to help you out. And as black women in particular, you have to not, you have to build your advocate circle with people that don't look like you because there's because you need people that are in higher places and for the most part that's not that's not folks that look like us and so you got to be able to reach out build relationships learn from them observe from what other people are doing and you know and and also make your own way based off of kind of the experiences that you're having awesome i love that because like you'll find you'll figure it out you'll find a way <laughs> but also, you, you cannot give up. Please don't. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that, that's actually a big part of it. So I'm guessing as a consultant, you probably travel a lot, talk to a lot of people. It's exhausting. <laughs> so what does Geneva do for Geneva? What do you do for your self-care? Well, I um, so I right now I'm not traveling as much as I did, but I was a, a traditional road warrior, um, meaning Monday through Thursday on, you know, early in the morning at airport and late at night coming back on Thursday. Um, while I would be traveling, and maybe this is a bad thing, we like to eat as consultants and I, and that's just kind of me. I love food. I love, um, going to, you know, new restaurants. And so, um, that's what I would do on the road. That was like my self care and, um, my and folks that traveled with me and, and know me well from, from a work perspective on Wednesday nights, I always made sure to be back in my hotel room because I love South Park. And so on Wednesdays, there's uh, South Park um, on Com- Com- Comedy Central um, 
a marathon. And so my self-care would be no matter what was going on, I would get back in my hotel room and just walk away and watch South Park um, just to kind of uh, have that craziness of um, what they're doing on that TV show. Um, now I still uh, do. I, I love to eat. And as I mentioned, I build a business around uh, cooking classes. And so I'm just getting back to cooking. I have a, a nice kitchen now. And so um, just spending time with friends, eating um, and enjoying meals, talking, you know, taking time to check in with them is a great self-care part for me because I can easily just get sucked into my work world. And it's always great to eat a meal with a friend or cook a good meal for a friend or a loved one and um, enjoy that time of nourishment. I love that. So what's, okay, so now if you tell me about a favorite meal, I gotta figure, I'm gonna ask, um, mm-hmm. what is your favorite, what's your favorite place so far recently for dinner? Oh, recently. Okay, so I, there's a place in New York, um, it's called um, Patrick's Place. And it is a little jazz club, um, and it's Jamaican uh, food. And so I love oxtail. I've tried to make them, and they don't come out very well. But um, but I do try. But <laughs> but they're oxtail, <laughs> they're oxtail. They're delicious, and they have this carrot cake. I'm I'm allergic to to nuts, and theirs is nutless, and it's delicious. So um, I I go there often enough to um, you know. We, we, I know the owner, or at least, you know, hey, and he knows I want carrot cake and probably oxtail. So um, that's that's my my go to spot uh, for relaxation, music and good food. Oh, I love it. Um, So Patrick's Place, is this in the city in Brooklyn? Mm-hmm, that's in Harlem. Oh, sweet. Well, as a proper Jamaican, I have to go check this out um, <laughs> to, to, to determine like how good this food is and commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I would recommend that next time you're in New York, go to if you go to Fat Fowl in Brooklyn, another oh. restaurant, um, and they do what's called an oxtail grilled cheese. And oh my gosh, that's you, delicious! It will change your life. I already love it. <laughs> I may have to make a trip. I'm in. I live in Harlem now, so you know how. People are like, oh, Brooklyn's so far away, but I, I can make a trip for some good food. <laughs> yeah, it's literally, it's, it's a city point where the Target is. Oh, okay, yeah. I don't know, the bathhouse um, mm-hmm. and, and the food court, but yeah. it is worth the trip. I mean, it's, it's the oxtail grilled cheese, it's the roasted chicken, the macaroni mm-hmm. and cheese, the fried plantain. Like, wow. you'll, you'll just, oh, the bronzino with this, like, black rice situation girl <laughs> okay but, say less i'll be there <laughs> that's great um, so you know that's, i did one thing i love is food oh good <laughs> so, okay so then we definitely have to reconnect talk about your your one-handed uh, italian friend and um yes. like car dealership experiences <laughs> Over yes. food. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I feel like a date at that battle sounds like a good time. So over over a cocktail, I'll tell you all about the one hand um, Italian, um, <laughs> and, and and more. Um, and so, last question for you: um, mm-hmm. uh, Do you have a give and or ask of the audience? I have a ask Go to it. the audience: Be kind to yourself. And be kind to others. You don't know what they're going through. 
Awesome. I absolutely love that. That is fantastic. Thank you so much for that one. So, Azula, you've been such a delight and you provided such a wealth of information that folks are going to be able to wrap their arms around. Um, I hope so. (laughs) And I I definitely will. Um, And your breath of experience is delightful. And obviously, now that we've gone over food, we're going to have to be full. We already have a plan for a restaurant date and hilarious stories to abound. Yes. Um, So, thank you so (laughs) much for being part of 29 Days of Magic and joining me on the podcast. And uh, we'll put your details in the show notes for folks to check to connect with you and probably find out more about consulting. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm really excited about your podcast and giving women just an opportunity to share their stories. I think that's great. And so happy that you're doing it. Awesome. Thank you so much. And that is our show.